Smartcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It sounds nothing like them at all, but I, if you didn't give us a Midnight Oil song, you suck. So I'm going to guess Midnight Oil. I did not give you a Midnight Oil song. You suck. You suck. <laughs> you have to give us some putts. You have to give us some gimmies. It's... Well, first of all, you won. So you I know, but I'm won. still mad. I'm still so <laughs> mad. It was the Jonas Brothers oh, singing I love about it. a girl from Australia. That's it. You know, I've never heard the Jonas Brothers, and so that was pretty good. All right. Like, See, you're coming around. Right, check them out. Nice. I hear they're quite popular with the kids. Is that still the case? 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Koala bear over there? Oh no. Nah, it's a wallaby. <laughs> we are in Australia uh, here on the 50 Years of Music with 50 Year Old White Guys podcast on the Electrocast podcast network. Jeff Simons, you're in Berkeley, correct? I am indeed in the Berkeley, in the Berkeley shed. Okay. And Ben Barn, you're in Knoxville. Do I usually do this at work? Today, I'm in my beautiful kitchen with my lovely dog, Romeo. I'm feeling much more homey. I've got a good vibe this week. I feel good. So you're one of those families who just goes for it with the refrigerator. Oh, yeah, man. I'm in charge of the pictures, and I rotate them every year. So many pictures. I love it. I mean, there's there's 100 pictures on your refrigerator. You can't see the fridge at all for the pictures. It's it's actually quite lovely. Okay. good. But for those of you wondering at home, Tim's basement is still gloriously basement desk. He has done literally nothing in the two and a half years of payment from um, this podcast. Yeah. One thing I can say, this is a note to people who are into refrigerator pictures. If you choose the pictures, at least I look good in them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's not a bad picture of me in our kitchen and it's pretty sweet. <laughs> Very smart move. Well, we are on a musical road trip here in season three. And our second stop is the continent of Australia. And we are so excited to do a deep dive into Australia's musical history. And after our varied opinions, we'll get an expert in the room, Emma Swift, who'll be our artist in residence. Brilliant singer-songwriter Emma Swift coming up with her interview at the end of our pod. Uh, Before we get there, Jeff Simons, the Electrocast Network put out a playlist, correct? They did, in fact. And our little theme song 
which is actually a song called Tiny Steps by the band Waffle Barrel, of which I am a humble member, is, is featured. It's called Pod Till You Drop Volume 1, Electrocast Podcast Theme Songs. So and uh, it's pretty pod- cool. The podcasts are generating music. That's fascinating. And good I don't know, fascinating is the right word, but I'm psyched that this, you know, it's appearing in at least one other spot, which is good, pretty great. Good friend of the podcast, Nina, has a, a song on there called Woo-hoo! Of All Things Asheville. I know. I thought I couldn't believe the energy. So. What's that, Ben? I think it's Asheville Girl. Asheville Girl? Yeah. Well, it's a it's a it's a winner. So it's you got the solo check. piano version is really lovely. Oh, yeah, the one in the church. Yeah, yeah, so check it out on Spotify, Spotify playlist from Electrocast, Pod Till You Drop. But that's not why we're here today. We are here to talk about Australia. Jeff, have you ever been to Australia? No, I have not. I haven't even been near it, to be honest. Ben, have you ever been to Australia? I have been to Australia twice, Jimmy. What? Thank you for asking. Oh, yeah, my friend. What? How old? What age is uh, so do you want me to give you the story now? Yeah, give me the story. I'll just turn my microphone off for the next eight minutes. I'll see it's you guys. a three-part story. What? So in 1963, my mom and my dad, who aren't even dating and are really barely friends, they're kind of frenemies in college. Okay. My mom applies to a year-long program in India to study in the country of India in 1963. My dad's like, well, that sounds like a good idea. He signs on too. They both head over to the subcontinent of India. Okay. My mom briefly falls in love with a Dutch expatriate <laughs> who's hanging out in, in India, like just <laughs> high and being a loud mouth. And he's like, come with me. I'm going to Australia to become a crop duster. Wow. And my mom is like, that's actually a pretty good offer. Like, I'm, I'm going to think she thought hard about moving to Australia with this guy, Hank, to become where he's going to become a crop duster. Hank, the Dutch. Hank is this guy's oh, name? Hank Eves, E-B-E-S. And you're sure this so, is not your father? He heads <laughs> off to, right, well, 63, so I've got a good feeling about it. He heads <laughs> off to Australia. They break up. My mom and my dad start dating. They get married. My mom and Hank Eves stay in touch for years. Uh-oh. And I'll just be frank. I know my dad listens, but I think she might have been keeping her options open. Like, I think she's keeping <laughs> Hank Eves on the down low. Awesome. <laughs> Hank gets, uh, Hank is a, he's an actual crop duster. And then he takes his money and he buys uh, antique prints. And he's got this antique print shop in downtown Melbourne. And he and my mom stay in touch. And he's got two daughters, my age and my brother's age. Ninth grade, my mom and him cook up this plan. His daughter comes to visit here for a couple of months. I went over there to visit. So I wow. spent Christmas of ninth grade in Melbourne. That's which perfect. I, I can't recommend highly enough. It was like, it was super weird. I was very rattled, but it was Christmas by the pool. It was like 90, 85, <laughs> gorgeous and sunny every day. Well, I know that ninth grade is when you're at your most personally comfortable. So that must have oh, really yeah. been an easy little trip for you. Oh, dude, you should have seen me in my bathing suit. I looked amazed. So, <laughs> summer between my senior year and college, I go over much longer. I go over for two and a half months. And of course, then it's winter there. 
Oh. And at this point, he's have uh, Hank's having a big auction. And so he's got, I can't remember the name of the dude, but it's like the guy who did the prints from John Cook's journey of all the weird animals. Okay. Created a book and there's these original prints of the book. And so I'm framing them. I'm working as a framer in his gallery. So I'm up on the second floor and it's an it's a legit actual hard job. Like I'm making it. And the girls are the, the girls who are my age are in high school, like they're busy. So I'm like working 40 hours a week. And I have this really vivid memory. The drinking age there was 18. So I would leave and Hank would stay because he was like working and selling stuff. And I would go to a pub in downtown Melbourne. And like, I had like the, the trench coat, like I was really working it hard. And I'd get the uh, International Herald Tribune and I'd get a beer and I'd sit down and read it. And literally like, you'll love this, or maybe you won't. The first week or two I did it, I was like, now this is kind of badass. Look at this, <laughs> look at me being a grown up. I read the paper, I drink a beer. Like the sixth time I went, I was like, is this it? Like this is what being <laughs> a grown up is? Like, there's not like, there's nothing fun here. It's not like a party in high school. Like you just drink a beer and read your paper and then you go home sad on the trolley. That's yeah. amazing. It's like pre-Beatles England. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> I was completely living it. And yeah, we traveled all over the country. So I've been to, I, I mean, like, it's a gigantic, beautiful, spectacular, completely empty country. But yeah. There's just nothing there. Um, there's a huge gargantuan desert in the middle. We went and checked that out. We went to the various, the various different coasts and stuff. Absolutely spectacular. Loved it. Um, it's a party continent. Like they're out there, they're here to get down in Australia. Um, and so I have a huge gargantuan, massive soft spot for it. Really, oh. really. Incredible. Yeah. I love the way they do vacations where they're like, I'll see you in a couple of years. I'm going everywhere. You know, <laughs> I just, I, every time I meet somebody from Australia, I'm like, well, how long have you been on vacation? Like oh, about 15 months, you know, yeah. I started in Papua New Guinea and then I went up to Asia and I came across and down into I mean, it's amazing. By the time they get to wherever I am, they've already amassed like a lifetime's worth of memories. Oh, dude, I was totally thinking about this because I was like, every Australian I've ever met, um, especially outside Australia, has been super pleasant. Yeah. But it's like, it's a small sample size. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the people who make it over to wherever I am are really world travelers. That's true. I promise you, there's some dickheads in Australia. They just probably stay in Australia. Uh, well, now I want to go to Australia. I don't know about wearing a trench coat because it is everything I've read is it's this huge party scene. And somehow you got the quiet Herald Tribune pub. I'm not sure. I, mean, I walked down the street from the fancy gallery that I worked at into the nearest pub. So it was mostly business people. Oh, I forgot to say. Then the dude got into Aboriginal art and he's now like even wealthy. He's a really, really wealthy man. He's one of the 10 most famous people in Aboriginal art in the world. Go Hank. Wow. Yeah, totally. Wow. That's amazing. Well, we are then going to play our arrival song, Jeff. This is the song that you and I will play in our headphones as we touch down in Sydney or Brisbane. Wait, where am I? Yeah, yeah I know. you're coming ben, too. Ben, I, ben I, get to come. <laughs> I mean, you're there. <laughs> oh, I'm Here picking you up at the airport. All right. That's deal. right. Nice. In a fighter combi On a hippie trail Head full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took 
took me in and gave me breakfast And she said, do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? I figure that has to be our arrival song, right? Because that was the song when we were in high school where we were like, oh, that's Australia. First yeah. of all, Timmy, you gave us a 14 song quiz and you wouldn't help us out with that. Like that's an actual can't... song that mentions Australia. I know and you had to take that away from us. I know. Not I was going to say, we start a with a, I, we get a plus one handicap right out of the box. I am so oh, yeah. Dude, curious. You have to count us as scoring that one. I am so curious as to how you'll do. I, and we're gonna, we're goal, be, it's going to be a disaster. It's You're, really going to be, it's going to be an absolute train wreck if you take minute work out of the equation we've I, got we've got really... 14 songs coming up and oh you guys God. have to name 10 and you're going to work together and i believe in you uh but someone's going to have to strike gold i think there are nine easy ones and, oh my God. Uh, and five hard ones you're out of your mind by the way you know i i opened for colin hay twice playing with megan and he is it. the sweetest dude ever and in fact i have a really good friend here who has been in two different weddings with him where like, he's also a guest and he's apparently just a sweetheart when he's not playing a show as well. So that is so great. Good to hear. Good, good on you, Colin. Hey. Um, so you guys have a choice. These were the worst arrival songs. Olivia Newton, John's physical. <laughs> That's bad. Anything by air supply or anything by the wiggles. Oh, the Wiggles are Australian? Oh, yeah. yeah. They are. That's they're the last of, for sure. They're one of Australia's most successful. They really are. They're, they're acts, like musical out, acts. Of, out of control sales. Yeah, I don't I think I'd rather hear uh either of those other grown-up acts than the Wiggles. I mean, if you get let's get physical, you at least imagine the video. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, Olivia Newton John. First um, of all, I get an old boy from you, Jeff. <laughs> just I remember, if I remember, there's um, there's more shirtless men, like incredibly ripped men making you feel inadequate than there are like exciting shots of Olivia Newton-John in that video. That was a weird video. Then you have the fat guys out of shape and then they turn into hunky. Yeah, that was, I didn't understand. Yeah, there's, some, there's some shaming going on in that video, which isn't cool. It's like if Richard Simmons directed a music video, the physical <laughs> video. <laughs> um. Yeah, it took all all my willpower not to choose "Hopelessly Devoted to You" as my song for this particular podcast. But we need to we need to move on to the compilation contest. Uh, I have chosen fourteen fragments of songs. You all are going to identify as many artists as possible, working in conjunction with each other. And I felt it worked well last week. I felt the two of you bonded over that particular. Yeah, I did feel, I felt close. I felt close oh, to that. Dude, it was nice. super fun. That was amazing. I love this kind of dumb quiz. It's really love, my favorite. I love <laughs> this one. All right, here we go. This is Australia, the compilation. Everybody ready? Pens ready. Okay. Tokyo. South America. Australia. Right back to Australia. To India. Australia. In Australia, but no matter how far or how wide I roam, 
Okay. Woo. All right. Do you need to hear it again? We did it uh, twice last week. Yeah, I need to hear it again. We, we got no cut. complaints. <laughs> we just do it. We want to do what we have. Uh, why do you think you have ten? I don't have ten. Oh no way. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it one more time offline. Like let's not put people through it, and then. Uh, why don't we take our first commercial break and then uh, when we come back, we'll have our answers. How's that? Okay. And if people want to listen oh, to it, I like your style, Jeff. they can rewind because it's a podcast. They can pause anytime out That's on their saying. run and whatnot. Yeah. All right. First ad break now. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach, you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you guys ready? Here it comes again. Yep. Okay! Tokyo! South America! Australia! Right back to Australia. Got that one. I've got that one. Australia! To Cobalt! In Australia. I got that one. But no matter how far. Or how wide I roam, I still call Australia home. And then me when the gang comes down here again, and they phone it up Australia, and they call each other names. Yeah, I'm sending out a letter to the 
out in Australia, the kangaroos lay off butterfat. There's kangaroos with fat news in Australia. Come on, come on. And found Australia's sunny shores and called it his true home. Even in New Zealand's gunpowder, Australia's gunpowder. Okay, we are back, and they are perplexed. So I count eight gimmies, one one that you kind of should get, and then I think there are five really tough ones. So you're going to have to really work together. Uh, Jeff, who's the first artist? It's David Bowie and Mick Jagger's Dancing in the Streets. I had that one, totally. Excellent. Ben Barton, who's the second? Pogues. Waltzing Matilda. The Pogues, great song. Uh, Jeff, who's the third? Australia by the Kinks. Yes. Great choice. Freaking great song. I was not going to get that. That's a great call, Jeff. It's actually, so they've got three different songs that mention Australia. I think that one is Victoria. Yeah. No, and that they, one's Australia. Oh, man, I'm pretty sure that was Australia. I'll, I'll from, the same you, record, from the same record as Victoria. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, um, Fantastic. Uh, what do you got for number four, Ben Barton? Is that Johnny Cash? That's Johnny what I was Cash. thinking. Yes! Four for four? Four for four. Number five, you're not going to get. It's. It sounds like the Australian Willie Nelson, but I have no idea who well, the I have the Australian Elton John. <laughs> Wherever I roam. That was rough. No idea. Um, we talked about his musical in the f- second season because the album was so popular and you neither of you had seen the musical oh is that hugh jackman it is hugh jackman that is correct jeff mark us down for that we got that one it (laughs) took a hint but i got hugh jackman all right number six is giving us that one yeah Uh, they bore i feel like i should know it though like it sounds like a song i know and they it's the like kind of up-tempo new wavy one and they've boarded up any guesses for number six nothing all right, okay. you're at five. That was the Water Boys. Yet I should have gotten that. I really should have just taken a guess. It was something like uh, some of my friends are trains or something like that. I can't remember the name. I'm sure, right. I've heard it. Seven uh, is the Stones. Right, no, I seven. had that one. Eight. Ben Barton, who's eight? I have Captain Kangaroo. Oh, that's a neat guess, but no. Jeff Simons, what was your no idea? Eight? No idea. Oh shoot, I counted that as a gimme. That was Bing Crosby. No, that's not a gimme. That's not a gimme, Tim. Bing Crosby. Uh, All right. Uh, Jeff Simon's number nine. The Who Disguises. Oh, no, Postcard. Postcard. Postcard uh, is the name of the song. Yeah. yeah. Why the heck? What are those bubble sounds that start coming in? The John Atwistle song, and he gets to do what he wants, and he does. I think they're supposed to be bouncing kangaroos. So is he like or, did, or like uh, didgeridoos or some kind of like Australian sound? Is he effect. like the Ringo star of the Who or something? He gets a song every once. He gets in a while? song or record. Yeah, okay. he's like the George Harrison of the Who, really. Ringo okay. is like a song a song a decade. But all right, number ten, I feel is impossible. No, I think I've got it. 
but I can't remember the name of the band. Ben, who is what's the name of the band that sings on the cover of Rolling Stone? Do you remember the name of that band? Oh, it's no what idea. they make fun of, the Dr. Teeth. Come on, Dr. Somebody and the Somebodies. Dr. Teeth and the it. Mayhem. It's Am I right? Yeah. Give me two seconds. No, wait. Dr. Hook in the Medicine Show. It is Dr. Hook in the Medicine Show. Holy shit, Jeff. That is insane that you got Dr. (gasps) Hook. I couldn't even even find that on Spotify. No, I just recognized the dude's stupid voice. Yeah. That is Dr. Hook's voice. I have All never right. heard. I've never heard that song before. Wow! wow. So we're, I am being carried here. There's an MVP performance four, five, and a six, defense seven, performance. Eight. You okay. might get number eleven, Ben Barton. Uh, I have another blank, but I have the Beach Boys. Is that? The oh, one? No, I think the Fugees is before the Beach Boys, uh, or or the other guy. Um, what's what's the guy from the Fugees? Wyclef. Wyclef G. Yep. I think it's Wyclef. That is correct. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, we're we're golden. Oh, you won. Because we got the Beach Boys is is twelve. And then is is that is that Yaz or is it um the other guy, the uh, every time you go away guy? What's the it name is, of that crew? It is Paul Young. Paul every Young time At you 13. go away singing I was in chains in Australia. And then finally, number 14. No clue at all. I got to admit, I kind of liked it, which is going to embarrass me because I'm sure it's not a band I'm supposed to like, but I kind of like those eight seconds. Ben Barton, any guesses? It sounds nothing like them at all, but if you didn't give us a Midnight Oil song, you suck. So I'm going to guess Midnight Oil. I did not give you a Midnight Oil song. You suck. You suck. (laughs) You have to give us some putts. You have to give us some gimmies. It's... Well, first of all, you won. So you I know, but I'm still mad. I'm still so uh, It was the Jonas Brothers oh, singing I love about it. a girl from Australia. That's it. You know, I've never heard the Jonas Brothers, so that was pretty good. All right. Like See, you're coming around. Right, check them out. Nice. I hear they're quite popular with the kids. Is that still the case? I, they I have... think they're doing well. I think they're doing well. <laughs> you know, I've never been uh, to Australia, but uh, when I lived in Marietta, Georgia, some Australians came to town and opened up a bakery and I went and ate these baked goods all the time. Like I, I kind of lived there. I went and graded papers there. Do you know that Australians are the world's largest consumers of this per capita? What is the bakery item that Australians eat more than any other peoples of the world? Fantastic question. I love it. Uh, I mean, it should be a donut or a crawler, but it's not. I'm going to say crumpet. A crumpet is an excellent guess. Oh, that's a good guess. Uh, but like, I'm trying to think of what you would have eaten. That's a great thing. Because you're, picky, you're a picky gentleman, so it would have to be pretty bland. Well, I, I, I don't want to say that, but I will give you a hint, Jeff Simons. Okay. Between sugar and salt, I'm going with salt all the all, time. All every time. So a salty. What is it? What's a salty baked item at a bakery? I don't know. Should I'm on the other side. It is the pretzel. Meat, meat pies. Oh my god! Awesome. Oh, Australians awesome. eat on average over 12 meat pies per person per year. That's outstanding. Combined with like 17 other 
pastries like sausage rolls and party pies and things like that. And I'm all about that. Big I believe we call- you know why they they call it a meat pie instead of a pork pie. Why? So they can put whatever meat they want. Yeah, that's right. Correct. But that's some correct. of it sometimes it's mouse, sometimes it's squirrel, sometimes <laughs> it's rabbit. It's like the McDonald's <laughs> shake. It's not called a milkshake. Oh, there's no milk. All they, listen, all we promised was meat. That's Don't it. ask any more questions. <laughs> Just a meat. I'm pie. all about it, though. You know what we call them in America, Tim, is hot pockets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh if you're ever in marietta georgia the australian bakery cafe is still going strong i moved out of there what in 2006 uh but i looked on their website and i actually wrote down uh, some information because you can order meat pies and uh-huh. have them delivered throughout the country all right let's get to our favorite son or daughter song here is the most popular band from this location with their most popular song and oh, i don't think you... this is their most popular song but it, it's a great one. Oh, oh i'm sorry i'll give you the spotify numbers in just a second go ahead oh, my apologies Uh, it's amazing to me how many albums must have sold. i I think they've sold worldwide over 200 million albums think of the number of guys who had that tape how many people bought the cassette and so you would think that because of the age of the group and because so many people already have their music that their spotify numbers would be good but Oh, not that is crazy. not that is not how it works. Got that completely backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is like people go on Spotify and like, what's that old tape I used to have? Repeat, Boop. repeat, repeat. Repeat, repeat. 1.1 billion, billion plays. Yeah. And, there are, there and for that, that song, that song has got more. That song has more plays than you shook me all night long. Yes. Wow. That's, that's impressive. So I. I know that there are fewer than a hundred songs with over a billion plays because my friend Jerry's band just grabbed one of those spots with uh, Hey Soul Sister. Nice. Which was really? their second because um, Jupiter. To Jupiter is also, yeah. they have two of the, of the 90 songs with over a billion plays on Spotify in one group. And, and he's coming on to our podcast. That is the plan. That is the plan. Yeah. Well, he should be like high fiving us and stuff. Like, wow. Well, he should be buying us dinner, is what he should be doing. I'll make that very clear to him. (laughs) All right. Uh, Fun facts about Australia. Let's go pick the uh, closest to the pin contest. What is the population of Australia? Ben Barton, I'll have you go first. Thank you. 25 million. 24,990,000. 25 million is the correct answer. Oh my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> Turn off the Wikipedia page, Ben. <laughs> He's so cheating. He's laughing. He's got his. <laughs> First of all, I'm not cheating because last week, Timmy gave the wrong number for Pittsburgh. <laughs> so I, like, I actually hit it right on the number, and Timmy was like, nah, it's 2.2 million. And I was like, but are you sure? 
Because I'm looking at the answer and it says. Who were you cheating first. last week? Too. <laughs> no, no. Last week I was joking off the top of my head, and this week I didn't cheat exactly. I looked it up earlier in the day. You okay. know what's great is they're bringing back Quiz Show as a theater piece starring Ben Barton. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff Simons, how many states does Australia have? Oh my God, I have no idea. I mean, just none. Fifty. No Fewer than fifty. Just pick a number and we'll do over under eight. Oh, that's a really good guess. That's Thank my you. actual guess. Uh, I guess I'll take seven. Australia has six states. Look at that. Well Way to done. go, Pete. Nicely done. Well done. Fun fact, 44% of Australians identify as Christian. Which category is next at 39%? What do they identify as at 39%? I was that's what I was gonna guess. Non-religious or agnostic? Non-religious at 39%. Mm. And finally, what two animals represent Australia on the country's coat of arms? I'll let you guys think about this together and for give sure one there's a answer. kangaroo. There's gotta be a kangaroo. a kangaroo on each side, I think. It's a kangaroo on one side. And something else on another? Yep. Something oh. else on the other. Can I tell a funny Australia animal story? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Instead of get, making a bad guess, the funniest documentary I ever saw in my life, and Ben knows this, my senior year. Oh, I, I was in this class. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. the greatest. Um, I ended up a half credit short in science because they changed the credits of a course I took freshman year oh, and made me add what? a science course. So I took like the most 100, 100 level science for idiots course I could find. Okay. And and we watched a documentary about how they're... Hold on, it was called like infectious diseases. Infectious diseases and parasitic viruses. It was the name of the class. It was great. So we watched, um, we were watching a documentary about what happens when there's no predators or diseases to knock out a population of animals. But it's, so it starts in the north of England with these like hundred year old guys at a pub talking about how many rabbits there were in the neighborhood. No, no, in Australia, not in England. No, it starts in England. And and the English guy's like, everywhere you go, you trod on a rabbit. And then (laughs) they grabbed like a dozen rabbits when this guy emigrated to Australia, brought like a dozen rabbits with him so he could shoot him. Uh 20 years later, there are wild (laughs) roving gangs of out of control rabbits. They have to build these control fences to try. And there's just black and white footage of just like, hundreds of thousands of rabbits at full sprint just bashing their brains out against these guardrail fences and it's got that great like out of control buddies like back you know like 1950s war real uh news it, reel. Like it looked dingos. like it was actually believable that you could step on a rabbit like yeah. there would be so many rabbits you would be like trotting upon them it was <laughs> unbelievable and of course when it came to the and i'm like soaking it all up like this class is great and of course we get to the quiz it's like what was the name of the professor in minute seven that explained oh. phenomenon you don't remember the end of the story what is the end of the story? The reason that I know it's called infectious diseases. Oh yeah, because they they that's they right. bring the rabbits over and basically Tim the dingoes and the birds and all of the animals that would eat something were like I don't know what the hell that is. And yeah, just keep away from it. Like if you've never seen if you're an animal you've never seen one of those animals you're like I don't know I'm just gonna eat my. <laughs> and they're like completely overrunning everything. Yes. All the crop. <laughs> So they go back to England and they right. get the, the rabbit disease and they bring a couple of sick rabbits and they throw them out. Knock them all out. And then, <laughs> dude, it's like 
I mean, it's like piles of dead rabbits. Oh like, my god! Heaping piles, and there's like a they're burning the bodies. <laughs> yes, so many right. they won't like eat them. It's like a burning rabbit inferno pile. of dead rabbits. God. Oh God! It was this so is horrible. Oh, oh it was, it was horrible unless you were Jeff and me, in which case it was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, crying. I was everyone laughing. else is playing careful attention, taking notes, and Jeff and I are in the back, like the two seniors who do this science credit are like howling. I was like, more like that, more like that. No, it's definitely. She asked for feedback in the middle. We were like, more dead rabbit documentaries. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, oh, the God. podcast has taken a turn. It got so dark. It, it, got it was dark, dingoes. It was, it was dingo and kangaroo. It was the not. Team? There's a on the uh, coat of arms. The bird or something, right? It's like kangaroo an and the emu. Oh, that's. Did nice. I get it? Yes, you did. I didn't cheat. I promise. The emu. All right. Well, after that dead rabbit segment. Oh, actually, <laughs> real quick. Anything to tell me about the didgeridoo? Other than um, the only people I know who play it are uh, exceedingly annoying dudes who can't play an actual instrument. So they they brought a didgeridoo home and wow. pretend to make noise in it. Jesus. I've never heard a real didgeridoo player. I've only heard guys who like have bongos and and like curtains from another country and a didgeridoo. But isn't it like the oldest instrument of humankind? It, it might back. be. It's, it's played well. It's. It sounds like the Giotto monks. It has like seven overtones at once. It's really quite something. But um, I've only ever heard it played well on recordings or on video. I've never heard it done well in person. There was the um, there's a 1998 uh, Page and Plant concert where they play Black oh, yeah. Dog, and they got two didgeridoo guys in the background playing. Uh, I guess for depth, I'm not That's sure. That's a pretty what cool it... concert, actually. I I, I have to. I have to say, I enjoyed that MTV oh, concert. Oh, I watched it. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Jimmy Page, pretty good guitar player. <laughs> Nothing but hot takes I was, here on the podcast. Well I done, was buddy. impressed with that young man. Do you have didgeridoo experience, Ben? Are you? Can you? Uh, no. No, okay. All right. You gave, uh, me a, you gave me a dirty look when I was making fun of it as like an instrument of choice for the uh, annoying person. But is that just too culturally insensitive? Yes. I feel like it's one of the <laughs> most commonly culturally appropriated instruments. Oh, uh, no. The the drum. The djembe. Yeah. Oh, I say djembe is number one, but didgeridoo is in the top five. Okay, that's fair. All right. Well, let's get to um, our three songs or events or people or venues. Ben, do you go first this time? can't remember i thought really hard about this i really kind of tortured myself but then i was like you know sometimes you just can't overthink it so it's uh well actually i'll say this it's a super fun continent people there have a really really good sense of humor about themselves it is a former penal colony which i reminded the people i stayed with regularly I was like, I want to hear a lip from you. This is a former penal colony to which the family would say, and you're an American, shut your gob, which nice. I totally appreciated. I was like, I will shut my gob. Good point. Uh, that being said, <laughs> ACDC TNT with the oys. The oi, 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 ossie, ossie, ossie. So good. So good. 
And of course, he's a wanted man. You know, I mean, it just it, it fits the vibe for Australia so perfect. You want to go with Jailbreak? I think you should go with Jailbreak. No Can't, way. is way better. Can't is. is a better song. And also the Oys, just that that absolutely nails it. Here we go. song is recorded they basically they move to england and then they get to be a much bigger band and they kind of sort of stop being an australian band this is the last one that was released just in australia hit number 19 on the australia pop charts which makes me laugh really hard (laughs) yeah i wish i know what number 18 16 to 17 (laughs) (laughs) that's a great choice that's Um, can you guys break down for me um who the first lead singer was how he died and then how they found someone um, so so similar to the first singer. You want to do it, Jeff? Go. Uh, well, Bon Scott's the first singer, and he he. There's uh, actually another singer before that. Yeah, there is. In ACDC, where they're like the, the the evil Page Boys or whatever they were called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the guys who who just created ACDC are a, a songwriter, a, a management team called Vanda and Young, and they're going to come up in a second when I do my Australian pick. Okay. Um, and then Malcolm Young is and Angus Young are the cousins or brothers or something. Or brothers or something. Yeah. Um, so Bon Scott's the first singer. He dies in a choking on his own vomit. In the uh, back of a taxi in London. Yeah. Oh. Like while touring Highway to Hell. And all the songs for Back in Black are written. And I think actually most of the backing tracks have already been done. And then uh, I don't know how they find Brian Johnson, who's the replacement singer. But he comes in and in an impossible situation, like a new singer for a band that's right on the absolute edge of breaking. And the, I mean, it should have actually screwed him up because Bon Scott was really the was an equal draw to um, Angus at that point. And it just went the other way. It just and he's a weird dude. He's like a little weird dude. He wore that cap over his head. And, and he's not like a, a, a particularly traditional lead singer. And uh it it just worked incredibly well. How long did it take them to to find Brian Johnson? Like, My recollection is they did like an open like they they took yeah. auditions, and wow. it took like a month, like a nothing, like because they had to get the. I mean, they were like, I mean, it's, it's Highway to Hell comes out. He dies in nineteen seventy nine, and Back in Black is out in nineteen eighty. Yeah, so they got to find the guy, record the tracks, get him to learn all the old ACDC songs, <laughs> oh, and get on tour man. in like four months or something like that. It's it's pretty crazy. 
The other thing I love about TNT is it's one of the continuing series of energy songs by them, which yeah. is, every time I hear one, it just makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> They're like, TNT, why would we put TNT and High Voltage on the same album? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> just like running through it. Oh my so God. Good. I had never put that together, but like they're the electricity band. ACDC. Well, no, but TNT, they were like, we're going to branch out a little. Sometimes we do explosives, <laughs> not just electricity. That is so funny. That is great. Oh uh, excellent pick. Can't go wrong if you pick ACDC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Jeff Simons, what do you got? All right, so I went, obs- I went a little obscure. You, you, you're going to know two of these songs, probably, dear listeners. Or maybe you won't, I don't know. And then there's one really um, obscure one. Well, um, we've talked about the big bands from this place that we love, like ACDC. I love Midnight Oil. I'm not going to bother you with Midnight Oil trivia again. Um, the other thing Australia is great for are hit singles. There's a whole bunch of bands that made one-off, just straight down the middle, home run, three-minute hit singles. So I picked up my favorite Aussie one-off hit single from each decade, oh, from cool. the 60s, 70s, 80s. So the first one is a song you've probably heard. It's been on a lot of soundtracks. It was a big hit in the day. This is a Vanda and Young production. So this is where they got the money to bankroll ACDC down the road. This is the Easy Beats and a song called Friday on My Mind. Monday morning feels so bad Everybody seems to nag Tuesday, I feel better. Even my old man looks good. Wednesday just don't go. Friday goes too slow. I've got Friday on my mind. Gonna have fun in the city. I could have sworn those the monkeys. My whole life, I thought those the monkeys. Yeah, it's not. Well, you know, it's not the monkey because it's so impossibly complicated. There's forty. There's forty-seven chords in that sixty-seven. Come on, really? It's unforgivably <laughs> difficult to play. I teach it to the rock band a couple years ago, and after like an hour, they were like, "What are you? I mean, this song is impossible." So that's great. The second band is the Saints. The Saints are most famous for a one-off hit they had on their first record called "I'm Stranded." But they made a record in Australia that was a hit that did absolutely nothing in, in America. That is the missing link between New Wave and R.E.M. Like, you know how R.E.M. comes out with that kind of jangly Radio Free Europe sound in 1983? And it sounded like it kind of came out of nowhere because everything else had been so chordal and uh, chunk, chunk, chunk. 
this is the record that's the when I heard this for the first time and I didn't hear this record until 25 years after it came out. I was like, wow, this is like the great lost missing new wave record that explains where I am came from. This is the Saints. This is a song called Miss Wonderful from a, a lost great record called The Monkey Puzzle. And so here's great single number two from Australia. Super fun song. Super who What's the name of that band? The Saints? The Saints, yeah. And Good then my stuff. last pick is the Hoodoo Gurus, who you may have remember from the 80s. Tim loves the, I knew Tim would love the Hoodoo Gurus. Uh, I, this might be too beatle for Ben, but I just think it's a yeah. great, great three-minute pop song. It's called I Want You Back. And it's just like a perfect two minutes, 45 seconds. And there are dinosaurs on the cover of the album, which I really like. from one great continent it's like i went to the australian bakery and i saw like the choices laid out before me of meat pies <laughs> mouse squirrel and anonymous meat pie all in one sitting no it's like steak and cheese steak and yeah. bacon come on, come on by the way uh, Jeff, you chose great australian one-offs and one of them was not the divinals i touched myself i know i thought about <laughs> it you owe me an apology and i'll I take apologize. it in writing yeah fair enough i do love that one a lot <laughs> I'd love that song a lot. And it was like, I, I, uh, I, it was a last minute cut 
I went with uh, the Hoosiers <laughs> instead. But that song is so funny. At the end, when she goes, <laughs> so great. Talk, talk about a song that made young Tim Plain uncomfortable. Like, yeah. Whoa. Tim was whoa. like, I have several questions and they're all redacted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we haven't mentioned one band that I'd love to, to hear your thoughts because I thought all week about picking these guys. And then over the last few days, I've been re-listening to some songs. And it's funny how they just don't carry for me. And that band is in excess. Oh, I, I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to say the Little River Band. Which... <laughs> <laughs> Friday night at the dance, I was dreaming of the Oh, night. God, I love that song. Is that Little River Band? Yeah, reminiscing. Yeah. I want to know, know what you guys thought of in excess in the 80s when you're in high school and college and, and what what your thoughts are now about in excess. Oh, good Because they were, they were huge. Yeah, go, Ben, go. You go first. Um, I still have a huge, gigantic soft spot for uh, Suicide Blonde. That's the that's the one that still carries for me. Okay. I'll never tear us apart. Whatever that song's called is pretty good. Um, but I, it's one of those classic ones where the guy died, and so they're a little bit overrated. They're a little bit like um, Keith Ledger's body of work, in my opinion. Um, but they have, like, the Suicide Blonde, I actually, that was on my list of ones to consider for this continent. Like, I, re- I love that one. Okay. I I find myself the NXS songs I love I really really love and I find their mid range stuff really really forgettable. They have a song called This Time, yes, a record called Listen Like Thieves, and I just I love it. I just love that song. This and time I, will be the last time. Yeah, and fight I never like turn this. when New Sensation or What You Need or the One Thing or Don't Change ever come on the radio. I never change the channel, but the next tear down just does nothing for me. Like, Need You Tonight is super forgettable for me. I'm with Ben, oh, yeah. like, Never Tear Us Apart, 50-50. Like, and I, and I, it's not a, um, it's not a deep cut band for me at all. Like, they made four records before they made a record with a hit on it. And, you know, sometimes yeah. you find a whole bunch of cool gems buried in those records. And you don't? Not one. Now, it's not an in excess song I like before Don't Change. Because they were and together like in, like, 40 the late, of them. Yeah. They were together in the late 70s, even. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, yeah. They're, I'm. I don't know. I feel like history remembers NXS just right about where they should be remembered. Those, well, songs, I did those, not go... those hit singles were huge. Like yeah, 85 huge. to 88, they were they were a really big deal. I saw them in concert a bunch of times. I was I was oh. very much into NXS and it's you just tell. not translating. But I'll tell you there's one song that sticks with me and I, I gotta set the stage for you guys. In high school, you might not know this, um, but I didn't own a lot of records. Um, and a, a lot of my music was just picked up from the radio. And, um, I may have even like gotten up on a desk in my high school English class to impersonate George Michael. Like I, I was a big faith guy, you know, who was a little, um, dark though and complicated was the church. And I still grab the band or the institution. (laughs) (laughs) Where's this going? (laughs) That's that was my problem. I was like, oh, this band, this will be healthy for me. I'll buy the church. Um, Yeah, they were they were kind of cool, much cooler than kind of my pop sensibilities. And yet this is a song that to this day I will ride or die for it. Under the Milky Way, Jeff Simons. 
Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down Lower the curtain down on right I got no time for private consultation Under the Milky Way tonight Wish I knew what you were looking for Might have known what you would find That's you know a great, great pick. When you're teaching and you're coaching and you're hosting a podcast, you don't have time for private consultations either. Uh, you know, but the thing that try, like, cracks me up so hard about this song, yeah. you know how the second verse is the he's cross sticking the snare. You're getting okay. the, he has that, that rim shot instead of the full snare. When you listen to, you'll never be able to hear it again. The bass player is angry about it, and he's like, "I am going to play through this section as if we are at full blast." So you've got that like do do do, and the bass is like do 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 do. He's overplaying so hard. Through the second verse, it's, it's, it's just, you, I know I can, I can just hear the band argument. Like it should drive there. We should not wait until the pre-chorus to bring in the snare drum. No. And the bass player's like, well, I'm, I'm bringing in the bass. <laughs> like it's just so, so funny. He's trying to stick it to the drummer. Oh no. Yeah, I think so. Or just whoever the producer who arranged it, probably. I mean, the, you know, that feels like a song where somebody who knows how to put a record together was like, you're going to start quiet and we're going to add then... some stuff and we're going to add some more stuff. I love that song. There's two church songs I like even better, Tim. Oh, the I Reptile? Reptile, but the oh, one that, the so Unguarded cool. Moment from their first record is my favorite. That song is just, if you haven't heard the Unguarded Moment by the church, you're in for a treat. It's just well, what, awesome. Can we get 30 seconds? I mean, what, what are we doing here? If uh, not to educate people about I, Australia. I suppose that's right. Finding inspiration I knew you'd find me crying Tell those girls with rifles for minds That their jokes don't make me laugh They only make me feel like dying oh. I, I was a very sensitive young man. I really liked that one. I tell you, we got to... I got to listen to more church in my life. That's good stuff. Are you anti this band, Ben, or are you all right with them? No, dude, that song, first of all, I fucking love that song. Yeah. I was a mainstay on the senior year in college mixtape. The ladies yeah. loved it. Yeah. Great <laughs> makeout song. Yeah, it's a great makeout great song. Great makeout song. That's, that's correct. Oh, wow. This is what we do here. We I'm going to try that you... tonight. I'm going to go in humming under the Milky Way and see what happens. Thanks okay. for the tip. And definitely come in with a, I wish I knew what you were looking for. I'll do my best. Great. We give makeout advice and and warn you off uh, about meat pies. This is what we do. It's 
part of our service here on the podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so we're final word in Australia. Like, do we feel bad that we didn't get to, um, I didn't really get to Wolf Mother. No, I'm all right with that. Ben and I saw Wolf Mother together. They were, uh, they were a little underwhelming. Okay. Uh, I don't know anything about the John Butler trio. Any good? Uh, yeah, I actually, I toured for uh, three weeks with the John Butler trio. Okay. The rich, the rich band opened for the John Butler trio from Colorado down into New Mexico, Arizona, and all the way up California. Okay. And then uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Good songs, bad songs. What do you think? I've never been a Nick, huge Nick Cave guy, um, but I, I totally understand the appeal. Ben might be more of a Nick Cave guy than I am. No, I don't like Nick Cave. Dude, the, the, the critics love Nick Cave. And so yep. I've, I've bought, I don't know, six Nick Cave records. Each one I'm like, what in the, what? I mean, what? Yeah. It's like if Tom Waits were trying to act like a vampire, that's what Nick Cave sounds like to me. Like if he was entertaining. Right. He, if like Tom Waits had to do a set in Transylvania and like whipped up a couple <laughs> of tunes for that, that's what Nick Cave sounds like to me. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, this has been a lovely little vacation for us in Australia. Hey, we got to book our tickets, man. Where are we going next week? Yeah. Well, we got to book our tickets because we're going to New York City, the Big Apple. Oh, boy. I'm so a, excited. Going at a big one. By the way, I like how you're building this. We went from yeah. a little tiny town in, in Pennsylvania, and then we covered an entire continent, <laughs> like as if they're the same thing. Like yeah. as if Pittsburgh and the continent of Australia. That is even. correct. And then we're just going to leapfrog that right to New York. Do it, Timmy. Let's go. And I believe there are five boroughs, Ben Barton. Is that correct? That is accurate for sure. I don't want to talk about Staten Island, but I'm going to have a lot of thoughts on the other four boroughs. I got dibs on the Welcome Back, Cotter theme song for whatever borough that is. Oh, my God. I love that song. It's obviously Brooklyn. I know. You're not allowed to talk (laughs) on this. If you don't know Welcome Back, Cotter, the beginning of the show has the Welcome to Brooklyn song. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. I can't wait to like get a heart attack deliberately wrong about New York City in the next episode and watch Ben's hair catch on fire. <laughs> all right. Well, we will see you all in New York City. Peace. Peace. All right. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Emma Swift is here as our Australian artist in residence. Emma, singer, songwriter, artist, apparently record producer and, and, and record company. Uh, how are you? Uh, I'm really well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm sorry neither Jeff nor Ben can make it. So they're just going to have to listen uh, to this part of the podcast later on. Um, but thanks for, for representing Australia. Do you feel a lot of pressure? Uh, uh, I do feel a significant amount of pressure, especially as I'm a kind of, I mean, as far as Australians go, I'm a fairly geographically scrambled one. Right. (laughs) Uh, You know, born in Sydney and then raised in in regional Australia in lots of small country towns and then moved to America. And uh, and so now I have a kind of twang in my accent from having lived <laughs> in Nashville, but then I'm I'm also married to a British person, 
and yes. have found myself spending a quite a bit of time in London. So I'm I'm a very um, I'm a koala with a very stamped up passport. Right, <laughs> moving all over the place. Um, so wait, you were in little country towns in Australia, like where where folk music was big and things like that. Country. Um, I don't know if folk or country was necessarily any bigger than rock or pop in okay. Australia. I mean, I think that's probably more of a romantic idea about how country folk are than, than the actual truth of the matter. Um, but that was certainly the reality of my upbringing. I was born in Sydney, in, in the metropolis. And then when I was very, very small, my parents started traveling around and they were school teachers. And so we lived in lots of really tiny towns across okay. New South Wales and Victoria. Like I'm talking places with population of 1,000, 2,000 wow. people. Uh, yeah, so. Wow. Uh, my, my, my son wanted me to ask, um, I, I said, I've got Emma Swift going on and she's a, a singer from Australia. He's like, ask her about spiders. Somehow he's got, <laughs> he's got it in his head that Australia is just filled with spiders. Well, Australia is filled with all kinds of creepy crawlies and magnificent animals. And it's a really beautiful place, but it's also a very scary <laughs> place when you get into the nature of it. Yeah. Um, you know, we have the big, hairy huntsman spiders, which yeah. are, they nothing. look they look terrifying. Right. They look like Halloween decorations, but they're, re they're reasonably harmless. Oh, okay. Well, that's but good. it's the little guys you got to be scared of. It's the redback spiders, oh, gosh. Um, which are tiny and very uh, poisonous. Well, I think if I ever make it to Australia, I think I will, I will stick with the big cities because this is a music podcast after all. And you are going to tell us, you're going to give us the lowdown which has the best music scene which australian city well i mean it's funny that you ask about that because because as i was saying growing up in the country like when i was a kid and a teenager like all of my ideas about the scenes was totally wild and imaginary oh. it was all completely um born out of the people that i idolized and so i don't and scenes like all places they kind of shape shift over time right so you know when I was a teenager I grew up in this town called Wagga Wagga <laughs> and it um it is equidistant in a car between Sydney and Melbourne okay which are the places that I think a lot of people traditionally think of as having mm. the big Australian music scenes okay and certainly they did in the 80s and the 90s but this is like pure history for me uh -huh. and pure projection right because I mean you think about some of the most legendary bands from Australia and they weren't from either of those places and much okay. like in America um people travel to those towns to make uh -huh. it. They're right, not right. really from. Right. You know, no they're not from. really from those places. Yeah. Um, but I moved to Sydney. And one of the reasons that I moved to Sydney was I was completely infatuated with an Australian band called UMI. UMI. And I think they had an album called Hourly Daily, which in many ways is a love letter to Sydney. At oh, least it is to my ears. And some of the songs are just so 
romantic and beautiful and they're really mythologizing gritty grimy sydney suburbs okay in a way that you might think of willie nelson romanticizing texas right or frank sinatra or or um or bob dylan romanticizing new york mm. and so it was the way that tim rogers sang about the inner west of sydney that made me think that that was a place that i wanted to be i i kind of fell in love with the place from a distance and then I had to move there to go to college and investigate it. Right. And was it everything you dreamed of? Absolutely. Yeah. It was wild, awesome. magnificent, beautiful. I mean, I moved to Sydney in the year 2000. Okay. Which was an extraordinary time to be in that city because it was undergoing massive change in that the Olympics were taking place in That's Sydney right. that year. Oh my goodness, what a and time. So the eyes of the world were on the yes. city. But it had this beautiful mix of glitz and glamour that was uh -huh. very appealing and a wonderfully thriving music scene right. that was really cool. And I basically lived between two pubs that played live music and a couple of nightclubs where we'd go and rage afterwards. Oh, and, great. And, and because Sydney is one of those cities, much like New York or L.A., that has undergone so much gentrification and change over mm. the past 20 years. Neither of those pubs exist anymore. They oh. don't, they don't, um, there's still scenes in the city, but it, but they're not right. taking place in the places I used to go. Well, what was, uh, give me a name of one of those pubs where you'd see live music so we can honor them. Oh, I mean, the Hopeton Hotel was fantastic. And awesome. uh, it's it's now a boarded up pub in Surrey Hills, uh, just on oh. the cusp of the CBD. And the Annandale Hotel was another one. And um, yeah, they're just really fantastically cool places. And I mean, to listeners who don't know of UMI, the band that immediately sort of lured me there in a way, uh -huh. um, Tim Rogers, the front man is very charismatic and lanky and kind of like a cross between Hank Williams, but also Iggy Pop and, <laughs> and the British poet John Cooper Clark. What a mix. So, so he's a romantic, but he's also a real rock and roller. And uh, it was very, uh, oh, that's it was great. very intoxicating, that music yeah. for me at that time. Oh, that's so great. I mean, you're, you're hitting on so many themes of our podcast because we are both steeped in history uh, and, and bring a lot of projection uh, into our lives. And, and like these pubs, we were once cool and now we're facing the end of our road. Um, well, what age I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever been cool. I mean, I was always a massive nerd, you know, uh -huh. part of the reason I moved to Sydney was not just because I was uh, enamored with a particular type of music that was being made there, but also to do an English literature degree at Sydney University. There you go. All um, right. Which was a place that um, I I knew very little about as a university, except uh -huh. that it looked like it was from the pages of Oxbridge magazine. It was sandstone and glorious. Yeah. And there was a magnificent jacaranda tree in the front yard. Yeah. And so, you know, all uh, absolutely all projection, but also very nerdy. Very nerdy. nerdy. Well, I, I told my daughter Martha as we looked at colleges last year, I'm like, you need to walk around and just picture yourself reading Shakespeare. 
can you read Shakespeare under that tree? Can you read Shakespeare by that building? And you can't picture it. You know, don't go there. Um, what age? What age did you leave Australia? And I'm wondering, with your music career and your own artistry, uh, how has Australia kind of left its mark on you? And, and how does it inform your approach to music? I think a lot of Australians leave Australia. I think it's it's very similar to the Canadian music story. If you think mm. about Joni Mitchell and yeah. Leonard Cohen and Neil Young all going to California, um, Australian bands went to London. So okay. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds went to Berlin and, and London uh-huh. and Kylie Minogue, you know, one of the most famous and well-regarded Australian pop stars who was right. also... You know, my first favorite singer, Kylie Minogue, when I was five years old and um, she moved to London. Um, It's it's quite common rite of passage to get off the island and and try somewhere else. Uh And and so I was 30, though, so quite old. Okay. I mean, obviously, I wasn't leaving to become a pop star. I was leaving because I was completely infatuated with Dolly Parton and Tammy Wynette. <laughs> so, I love it. so again, you know, I totally had this fantasy about Nashville and moving to Nashville and what that right. might be like. And, um, and so I did that. Who introduced you to Tammy Wynette? Like, how, did you come upon her by yourself or was there someone in your life who? Um, I really liked, I mean, what I would say about, the Australian music scene and generally the music scene in the 90s, which is when I was coming up, is that it was pretty masculine. Oh. Um, there were there were a lot of female voices, but it was very dominated by masculine voices. Okay. And, um, and I think when I first got into country music, part of the appeal of country music was um, these dominant beautiful, successful female voices. Right. And I had, um, I always really liked the 1960s as a fantasy era. You know, one of my other favorite singers is Marianne Faithful. So that's uh-huh. walking down a completely different street to tell sure. me when. Yeah. But I had these romantic ideas about the 60s and, um, and I got a, an Opry Classics DVD and it had all of these old performances of of country singers and Tammy was one of them, Dolly, Connie right. Smith, uh, Loretta Lynn. Oh, and wow. so I got into it in that way. So in a way I kind of, I moved to Nashville in 2012, but what I really wanted to do was move to Nashville in 1965. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little late, but. Uh... That's awesome. I love how you kind of come, came to that on your own of your own accord, looking for those female voices and then. And now you've become one. It's so cool. Um, All right. So I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to hear what your favorite musical memory is from Australia. Now that could be like, you could be a performer performing in Australia. This could be when you were just a fan and going to clubs or going to see shows or anything from your childhood. What, when someone says music in Australia, what, what great memory comes to mind for you? I mean, the first most powerful memory that I have of music in Australia is being a teenager and 
I had got a ticket to this rock and roll festival in Sydney. Uh -huh. And so I got the bus up. My parents just let me go. It was the 90s. Kids were kind of allowed to just do <laughs> stuff. Right. Go ahead. You're fine. So I was 15 <laughs> and I went with two of my school friends and I was in my purple corduroy pants and my silver Doc Martens and <laughs> off we went to this crazy festival called the Big Day Out. Oh, sure, sure. And just being... I'd never really seen live music okay. in that context before. I mean, I'd seen people playing at school and I'd played music at school, right. but I'd never really been to a proper rock and roll. Big show. Yeah. music festival. And it was really the first time in my life that I'd ever seen bands that I'd heard on the radio. Wow. And it was wild <laughs> like i got concussion in the umi mosh pit wow so another of my favorite australian bands called the clouds it was just really absolutely brilliant fun fun time and right. really and and i think after that after being 15 and going to the big day out i went every kind of year afterwards until i was about 26. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and it's, um, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the Lollapalooza of Australia. For sure, yeah, great bands. Or the Bumbershoot or, um, you know, there's a bunch of American festivals that I can yep. think of that are like that. And it was a very iconic of its time experience awesome. that was really pretty pretty special I've been, I've been as we prepared for this australia podcast i've been going through the lineups each year the big day out and what a what a festival what a show uh, yeah and especially because you know i mean at that time it was the pre-internet days too so it was a really different era for right. music especially being a kid from the country where you know the world really did seem so very very far away yeah and, and if you wanted to hear a song you either bought the album or you taped it off the radio that's if right you wanted, if you wanted to see the band there wasn't a i couldn't just watch a youtube clip or bring up no. and it was like oh i gotta get a ticket to the concert gotta yeah. go and uh it was yeah a, a very beautiful and nostalgic Right time in my heart now when I think of it. Well, it's so. I, mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dream of going to a festival now. I don't know. But <laughs> ah, I just feel way too. But at the time, <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that on the podcast of like the, the days of like searching out music or you hear a song uh, on the radio and the DJ doesn't say the name of the band and then you have to try and figure out who the heck was that and where can you get them again and hear them and. Um, yeah, the kids these days, they can just go right to their computer and hear everything. Um, well, awesome. Before before we go, though, you have an album called uh, Blonde on the Tracks, and I picked that as my favorite album. Uh, was that 2021 or 2020? 20, it came out just towards the end of 2020. August yeah, of 2020. and it was my favorite album of the year. So we talked about it on the podcast, and I just want to thank you for the, all the work that you put into that and the, the thoughtfulness um, to approach that material that way. And I, I just thought, uh, I still think it's an absolutely extraordinary album. And if folks out there haven't heard Blonde on the Tracks, uh, Emma Swift is, is just going to make you a fan right from the get-go. 
Oh, thank you so much. I mean, that record was just made with so much love and care and reverence for these Bob Dylan songs. Right. And, you know, talking to you about Australian music, I'm like, I really should do an Australian songwriter next. Uh, that would be great. Um, what are your favorite Australian well, bands? Well, uh, so I picked The Church. You know, mm-hmm. we're, all, we're all children of the 80s. Um, ben went with ACDC. Um, and Jeff went with Hoodoo Gurus. So Fantastic. We, yeah, yeah. We, we, we got to play their music and kind of relive some memories and just uh, just cherish Australian singers and, uh, and bands. It was really a fun little podcast. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Well, they're all wonderful bands. I yeah. mean, you know, in Australia, we call ACDC Akadaka. <laughs> Why do we do that? <laughs> <laughs> because Australians have to give everything a nickname. <laughs> If you were an Aussie, I'd have to call you Timo. Like everything okay. ends. Huh. Yeah, it's. A, I, that's a, that's awesome. Australians play with language. This is really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emma, uh, thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, I hope things are going well in London. I hope you're going to get some sleep at some point today. Um, and we get to see each other next year at some point. I hope so. Woohoo! Fast. All right, Emma. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.
Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid. 